0: Future Hacker. Life. Path. Future. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Future Hacker. I'm your host, Maria Taiji, and today we are talking to Anastasia Soloveva. Anastasia came up with the concept of Athena, an online education platform about finances, to address the most underserved group on the financial market today. And guess what? Women, right? So the modern woman is working more, living longer than ever before. Yet she makes 20% less than her male counterpart, as we all know. 70% more likely not to have a long-term financial plan. Or around 86% failing the financial literacy tests. Anastasia's 15 years private banking experience allowed to provide a holistic approach to finances and empower many women around the world with a financial plan without anxieties. Also, you know, she's a prisoner here in Brazil. Basically, she got stuck in Rio because of COVID and seems pretty happy about it. Hi, Anastasia. How are you doing today?
1: Hello, everyone. I'm doing perfect every day in Rio. It's hard not to feel perfect here. Super happy to learn about Brazil, about the culture, food, nature. I'm enjoying. I'm really enjoying it. And thank you so much for these nice words and presentation.
0: Awesome. You know, I'm glad you're enjoying. It's not that you had a choice in the beginning, but now you're starting to. So you're sticking there, right? (laughs) So, you know, before we begin the interview, just let us know a little about your background.
1: Yeah, sure. These days I call myself Carioca because I think I'm quite familiar with what's happening here in Rio de Janeiro and surroundings. But uh, originally I'm from Russia and um, I spent 15 years working in banking around the world. I started my career in Moscow in 2000 five, six, I don't remember exactly anymore, when Citibank came to Russia and they started to develop their banking services in my Mm. country. And I was a student, they were hiring students, I, I knew nothing about money, I knew nothing about finances, I have historical degree, I studied history in university, but I had to make money. So the best way to make money was to work for some newcomer, a hot bank, and I started. And that's how I learned everything I know about finances. So I spent seven years working for Citigroup in Moscow and London and then a Swiss bank called Credit Suisse hired me and I moved to Switzerland at 26. That seems like a mistake because Switzerland is a very calm place and I don't want to stay there for a long time. I mean, that's how I thought that time. And I asked my management to move me to Singapore. And uh, Singapore is the place where I did probably some of my biggest deals in private banking, mixing like private banking, investment banking experience. That's where we built the whole desk and brought many assets at that point. So it was really amazing five years spent in Singapore. And that's from where I took off to Harvard Business School. And that's how we know each other in Harvard Business School. What they teach you is that having a comfortable life of the banker is not enough. You want to do something more you want to change the world you want to make a difference you want to create the company that would provide the value and that's when i thought in fact yes i always wanted to create something interesting i wanted uh, to learn how to build a business and during my banking experience i actually started to notice that banking system is not perfect and that there are so many things which we can improve and uh, how women I served in bank was one of that areas. And that's how the idea of Athena came. And I didn't know anything about banking. So I moved after Harvard, I graduated. I moved to Silicon Valley because I thought that's the way you learn about startups. And that's how my journey began. That's a little bit about the background. With Athena in general, we are creating this online educational platform for women about finances. Basically, we just help women to realize their potential once they learn about finances and finances, and once they learn how to manage their own money. That's as easy as that.
0: So you know what? One thing that we you have in common with most of our guests is that you have a, such a strong international background, right? Which for sure, it's very mind-opening to say the least, right? So you mentioned, you know, we all know how... The women's segment in, in finance is underserved, as you mentioned, but still, why specifically focus on women and finance? Do you see it as a way of empowerment or are you more just covering a market gap? I'm just wondering if you have any personal experience that moved you towards this direction or is more like um, an opportunity that you saw and you're you know, trying to cover that?
1: Yeah, look, well, let me describe you my journey through the banking system and tell you what I have noticed over there about finances and women. And then I answer your question completely. What is this exactly? Is it a mission or it's a business opportunity? So I'm originally from Russia. In Russia, women are not interested in finances at all. For them, you have the man, you have the husband, the boyfriend, the father, the brother, and they take all the financial decisions for women. That's the mindset I was growing with, right? Like I never was educated that I have to learn about finances that much. And then when I moved to London, I've seen different approach to money from their coworkers, from their friends, you know, like from people, you start to get to know those people. And I was like, wow, well, that's different. They think about money differently. They have more responsibility. They take decisions. How is that? That's the first touch you have. And that's how your mindset gets shifted. First of all, and also you take a look at the customers. I always saw that there is difference between my male customers and my female customers, male customers usually have their assets that they earned, that they saved, that they inherited and preserved women. In my case, like right now it's changing, but at that time when I just started, women would have their assets uh, usually from divorce or from inheritance, but not always like most often to us from the divorce and how women would think about money and how men would think and approach their investment decisions was so completely different i would sit down with men we would talk about investment strategies we'll talk about different opportunities. It's like, you know, like two professionals talk to each other or semi-professionals sometimes because like our gentlemen always say that they know about money, that they are certain about some things, but not necessarily they know it as professionals. But it's anyway, like they have some basic understanding of on how finances work with women. I would always have completely different conversation. Would sit down, would take a look at their assets or expenses. And they would always outsource decision-making on me. They would say, yes, whatever you think is the right decision, we should do it. And that always scared me because I knew that, you know, how hard it is to take the right decision, how fragile this decision can be. So like, I've noticed that pattern and I was like, no, hold on. Let me educate you first. Let me explain you what I'm doing over here. And let me teach you how to take those decisions in future. And let me remind you, I was like 20 something. And those women were usually like 40, 50 and so on. So it's like, you know, I've seen that even those people who are much more advanced in life than me, they don't know that much about finances. And I was like, okay, so what about my friends? I started talking to my friends and not all of them actually had these smartest decisions. My professionals, like colleagues who surrounded me, like professional environment. Like, what do you do as a first-time banker in your 20s when you get your first bonus? And that's actually the mistake I did. My first bonus, I spent on luxury goods. I bought a Louis Vuitton bag. I bought, you know, like some like expensive like things. The most dumb decision in my entire life, actually. Would I spend that money differently? Would I invest that money or save that money? I mean, thank God, banking career worked out differently for me, you know, but in general, like, thank God I changed that course, but it would never lead me to the right wealth creation. So that's how it started. And then I moved to Switzerland and I thought, okay, so Switzerland is very progressive country but why women don't participate that actively in decision-making in the financial careers. In fact, women were given voting rights in Switzerland only in the middle of fifties, if I remember correctly. So like very, very recently. And in general, women of the West, let's put it that way. Women of the West got their right of having their own bank accounts only recently in seventies and not many of them have credit cards on their names yet we actually trying to collaborate with one of the communities in Chicago. And um, there is a bit different target audience. They have than from what we usually approach. It's a little bit like more older women. They're like in the 50s and like they're around the retirement stage. And they said, Anastasia, would we know that we have to have accounts on our names? Would we know we need to create credit history? Our divorces would look different. So it is very important to understand The power of finances, the power of decision-making in finances. And another thing which I've noticed being a banker is that when the couple comes to you and you discuss family assets, family wealth, very often women sit nearby. They don't have an opinion, don't have knowledge. They have no idea what's happening with the assets of the family, which is, in my opinion, very wrong. So I would usually try to involve them in the conversation, like to explain them, but also like when they feel that... You know, like decision-making power of the man next to them, it is usually a useless conversation. So, uh, unfortunately, that like, was historically done like that, and I'm trying to change it right now. I just, I
0: absolutely love that. I absolutely love that. And you know, I, I, I do hope that there's, you know, just a, a growing movement, right? That we have more people like you, you know, teaching because actually, at the end, it's a matter of of knowledge of education, right?
1: Yes, it is the matter of education for sure, but it's also the question of career choices. You know, so like on our platform at Athena, we are talking a lot with our customers and we do everything like, you know, we teach them, we question them, we have private interviews. And very often in those interviews, I'm trying to understand how it happens that people actually end up being waitress, not a bad profession to have. It pays very well in the United States, actually. But the details of a profession do not let them feel as secured as, for example, being a banker, let's say. And very often women choose those professions differently. So I'm talking to most of my customers and girls usually in their 20s dreaming of being designers, models, singers, artists, creators those are really amazing professions but they're quite vulnerable in terms of pay and we talk about this a lot and i want for those people who hear me out right now as well to talk to your children maybe or to actually think about your career choices yes it is amazing to be a creator it is amazing to be in the artistic area but you have to understand what kind of consequences it has on your financial stability and uh, in general turning from broken artist into somebody who has sustainable wealth and income it is a path and that path goes hand in hand with financial literacy so un- like explaining yourself how finances works it is very very important and unfortunately it is something what we do not get as education neither in the school and very often neither from the family we speak with our customers very often and most of those who are very very curious today about finances are saying I have the background of the family when we never talked about finances. Our parents, they don't know themselves how to manage their finances. So yes, our parents weren't educated. Our mothers don't talk with their daughters about finances. And that has to be changed for sure.
0: And that's so true. That's awesome. Great answer. Okay, Anastasia. So let's move to cover what we've been super, super thirsty for. So completely changing topics here nfts the super trendy non-fungible tokens so you know i'd like to use this episode to cover the very basic first because i know that you know probably most of the listeners won't really understand that and you know quoting our professor is here to say please explain as you would to a loved one what is a non-fungible token
1: <laughs> okay great so What is non-fungible token? Non-fungible token, it's um, something what's not real in this world, but you still can own it via the code. Something you cannot touch, but you can own. It is something what you can see, but not feel. It is something what you can pass with the code and get paid for that. This is just sounding like a riddle, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Let's explain once again, before we move into that, because uh, that's like more advanced. So like what is fungible and what is non-fungible, let's say. So NFT, it's it's a token, basically. It's a code that says that you own a unique digital item, right? So fungible versus non-fungible. It's basically, it's how you look at the asset. For example, you can trade to $5 bills for one $10 bill. Right. And in the end, like you will end up with the same amount of money, non fungible, it's completely unique and it is not like interchangeable. Anyone can download and frame, let's say the picture of Mona Lisa, but there is only one original painting. So you cannot, you know, like um, get the Mona Lisa painting, cut it in two and, and say like it is like worth right now the same amount which it was worth. Before is one piece because it's destroyed object. So it is something absolutely unique and interchangeable.
0: Okay, that's definitely more clear. Thank you so much for the explanations. But you know, of course, as future hacker, we have to go deeper into that. We're getting to the end of the first episode. So everybody, if you're still curious about how NFTs work, just stay tuned. We're keep this conversation with Anastasia. We'll right back. Future hacker life path future.